0: This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.
1: The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorized financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. See the You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is the program called Canny View, where it's our pleasure, sadly, for the last time this year, to have in the studio Nick Stewart from the Stewart Group in Hastings. How are you going, Nick? Very good, thank you. Looking forward to a summer break. Oh, yes, we all are, and uh, <laughs> you're going to get away in a bit of R&R and grow a beard. Yeah! It's, it's,
0: <laughs> it's become tradition over the summer break now. My daughter really likes it when I grow my gingerbread. Oh, God, I've got your shorts on
1: and your pipe and a bit like a pirate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just need an eye <laughs> yeah, That's you. right.
1: Anyway, before we get into today's topic, just remind our listeners what the Stuart Group is all about and where we can find you.
0: Ah, you can find us at 204 Kadumu Road in Hastings. We're an independent financial advice business. We like helping people, helping the good citizens of Hawke's Bay with getting ahead with all things financial.
1: Yes, and that's quite right, all things financial, because you do KiwiSaver, you do what else?
0: Uh, Risk management, uh, financial planning, so full financial planning, comprehensive planning. We assist trustees with meeting their new obligations, which you and I have covered on many a radio show. And we look after people's um, general investments, making sure things are optimised, they work, there's no large cost or tax drag,
1: and we just make things work. And when we generally talk about uh, financial institutions like yourself, Nick, and you've been around for 34 years, Mm. I think most people might think, ooh, you've got to be a rich dude to go and see you guys. That's not the case, is it? No, it's not, no.
0: No, no, look, we're a family business, family-owned business. Uh, My father still works in the business, and we really like helping people. Um, so it's not all about a dollar. Mm. Actually, a little bit of work we occasionally do is pro bono. Mm. Where we're actually just trying to help people to get ahead. Someone's got themselves in a bind, and they need a life raft.
1: Yeah. And we're prepared to provide
0: that. But look, we just enjoy helping good folk out.
1: Yeah. And look, uh, from a personal point of view, and uh, our colleague here at Dara Kidnappers, we both came to see you guys at the Stuart Group about our um, KiwiSaver, and you advised us to shift from where we were. Mm. And I tell you what, the, the dollars on the bank... Yeah. made us say, why didn't we do that a couple of years ago? <laughs> so anyway, yes, personally recommend you and uh, great service. Now, what are we going to talk about today?
0: We are going to talk about a, uh, something I've been uh, writing about recently, which is sort of like lifestyle comparisons and how a lot of people you know, look at their neighbor with their new ride on mole or new car or new boat that's just turned up for summer. And they think, wow, those people are doing so well, you know, perhaps we should do the same. And basically what I'm saying to people is, look, lifestyle comparisons are pointless in a debt-filled environment. Mm. Unless you're a trustee of that person or you're absolutely privy to their financials, making making a comparison with someone else is really pointless because you don't know what's below the waterline, Certainly. you don't know the debt level that they, that they are carrying, and... Really, you're best to benchmark against yourself, against your goals and
1: objectives. Because debt in itself is not a bad thing, is it?
0: No, no. Well, look, um, you know, if you are investing in your business, investing in yourself, investing in something that diversifies your income and asset base, and more importantly, that asset appreciates, Mm. then that's good debt.
1: Where do you draw the line? Where is the line between good debt, bad debt? Ah, well, it would be, is the
0: What is the nature of the asset that you are going to acquire? So if the asset's going to be, you are going to borrow to buy the latest BMW straight off the lot. Well, dare I say it, that thing's going to fall off a cliff the moment you drive it off the (laughs) lot. So therefore, um, you know, it's, um, a depreciating asset. Whereas investing, um, in other assets such as, um, you know, shares or your business or commercial property, that's an appreciating asset for the most part.
1: We were just having a bit of a chinwag before you came here, and I, I mentioned to my colleague that uh, we were going to talk about uh, about debt and comparisons <clears of> to <throat> debt. And uh, she was saying that she is the type of person who she saves up for something, yes, and then when she can afford to to uh, have it, then she buys it. And I said, well, that's perhaps from your point of view a very good practice, and you should maintain that. I said, but what about what happened in the interim? You, know, you decide now that you want mm. to buy a new car. And you're only going to buy it if you can pay cash for it, and it might take you four or five years to get to that point. I said, but you might have been unhappy for four or five years because yeah. you're, you're pining for that car. I said, why wouldn't you go and borrow the money?
0: Well, yes. Now there's the opportunity cost. So the one, the example you're giving there is a depreciating asset. Mm-hmm. So imagine that the car's worth ten grand and you borrowed ten grand. Uh, Assuming you had no equity thrown on day one. So, you know, at the end of five years, if you hadn't been paying off any of the debt, you still owe 10 grand and the car's now worth three. Yes. So, um, not an ideal financial outcome. Whereas if we take the flip side and you were to be, uh, investing in say, um, I don't know, a commercial property. Yep. And let's say the commercial property's value was $500,000. And, you know, over a period of five years, the 500000 was now worth – the property was worth 700000 Sure. So even if you'd repaid no debt and you still had half a million of debt, you know, you had 100% financed it, you're $200,000 better off because you borrowed against an income-producing appreciating asset. Whereas a motor vehicle, unfortunately, does not spin off any quarterly or six-monthly dividend in- dividend income or rental for you. It just sucks cash out of your wallet to keep itself on the road.
1: Yeah. I suppose, though, when we look at debt overall, Mm. and this, again, my point I made to to her was that if we didn't have people who wanted the new BMW (laughs) or wanted the new Harley Davidson or wanted the 75-inch TV, it could perhaps be, one, very bad for our economy and, two, not very good for our mental health because I think, oh, jeez.
0: Well, well, actually, in terms of – there's two things. So the first is that if you look at countries like Germany um, and Japan, they typically um, are very, very frugal with their wallet. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of people there do save and don't borrow for um, consumption. The other aspect, as you talked about, is um, personal satisfaction and mental health. Well, in fact, the happiest people on the planet are actually those not from the first world they actually don't have material assets mm. they don't have the latest bmw the flat screen tv the iphone 11 pro they just don't have those things they actually run a simple life and it's it's something that a lot of people in um in the field of psychology you know talk about um look <laughs> Those type of economies are not great for consumerism and capitalism on that basis, because um, you know um, most businesses want people to continue to acquire more and more and more. Yes, indeed. In the everlasting pursuit of happiness through consumerism and the satisfaction that one gets from acquiring things, I guess. And but in fact, you know, behavioral finance would say as well that uh, that's often not the case. Yeah. Um. I remember a friend of mine in Australia used the term, "the hungry ghost." Now, the ghost, no matter how much it consumes, will never be satisfied. Mm. And there are those out there that just continue to acquire asset after asset after asset and are never satisfied. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So th- <laughs> what, what's the <laughs> answer, for <there>? you? <laughs>
1: what's the answer though? Well, we do live in a consumer-driven society. Yeah, we do. Because um, you know, every every time we turn around, there's something new out.
0: Look, it's it's a question of having balance. Um, because there are some assets that we need, such as a family home, where there are not many people that can settle the purchase of a home with cash. That's very, very difficult. So most people have an element of debt, so that allows them to get on the ladder, the so-called property ladder, it allows them to get on the ladder earlier. Fortunately, um, over the last three decades, uh, property prices have appreciated quite strongly, which has meant those who borrowed... Have had a massive inflationary effect on their balance sheet. In other words, in simple terms, their, um, wealth or worth has increased because the, um, yeah, the assets they have acquired have ballooned in value.
1: I was reading an article uh, a couple of weeks back and talking to our friend Stuart Nash about it, that, Mm. um, 50,000 homes in New Zealand have joined the ranks of the working poor that they just, you know, they're getting basic salary. Yes. They cannot get ahead. What do you say to those people who are looking at, uh, down the track? And in, in many cases, the only way they can get something is by getting it on credit, can't they? So, so yes, well, What advice to give to those sort of people? Say, okay, well, you know, hey, look, if you want something, save up for it because some of those things that they need are stuff you need every day.
0: Well, yeah. Look, unfortunately, a number of those cases um, that I that I read about and see. Um, they are borrowing to live, to survive, yeah, and that is a that's an effective financial death spiral. Mm-hmm. Look, um, but then going back to the kind of your the, the 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 political angle there at the start, the when you think about it, is like we've had static product static productivity growth in this country for, I think it's about twelve years now. Yeah. Look, you cannot have wage inflation. Uh, without productivity growth because mm-hmm. look, the businesses need to earn a profit. So that businesses need to earn revenue to be able to increase revenue to better pay increased wages. And look, unfortunately, in this country, we have not had productivity growth. We've actually, the only productivity growth we've had is by people working more hours. Yeah. Um, look, this is uh, across a lot of the developed world, the same thing is panning out. And in fact, the, um, a lot of people are, it's the it's the middle look in the past when the middle class you had a good lifestyle, you'd get ahead mm. you were happy and satisfied whereas you've got a lot of people in the middle class now who say is this it? So I did all that work, I achieved the outcomes that I'd set and I'm not satisfied I'm, I'm actually fiscally constrained mm. and struggling and that's because of the lack of the lack of product, lack of productivity growth. So
1: due to that lack of productivity, yeah. do you think that as a nation uh, we need to be a bit more austere in how we're going to look Absolutely. down the track? Well, look, um, we have been spending
0: – now, I, I'm, I'm going to ignore the government here because yeah. the government's actually – we're one of the uh, least indebted countries mm. in terms of government. But take the flip side and look at the citizens. Our household sector is one of the most indebted in the world, uh, and we have been – spending more than we earn for a very long time i mean think how long ago it was that jenny shipley was prime minister Mm -hmm. well think before that i mean we have been at at one stage i believe it was around 2006 we were spending 12 cents in every dollar more than we earned at the moment it shrunk back we have been more frugal yes the global financial crisis did reset the new zealand citizen the the household um, but we're still spending at the moment. It's one cent more. That, you know, so if we earn a hundred bucks, we're spending one cent over there every year at the moment. So, but the thing is, I know one cent doesn't sound like a lot, but if you earn a hundred thousand dollars and you're spending a hundred and one thousand yeah. dollars, the following year it snowballs. It's the reverse of compound interest. You just owe more and more and more, and you pay more and more in interest.
1: Obviously, not a good situation to be in. But how, no. do, we, how do we stack up internationally on those figures?
0: Um, in terms of well, in, in terms of the level of indebtedness versus GDP, we, we have a huge amount of household debt and a lot in the agri sector. Our government has very very little debt. We're in a very healthy position. Well, that's which a funny good. old
1: thing, isn't it? Because I, I know that the Green Party, for instance, they're saying, "Well, the government should be borrowing a whole lot more." So we can put more money into social issues. So,
0: yeah, um, yes, I agree with the borrowing component, and that is sound. But it depends on what for. I would take a different line in terms of where the capital would be allocated. I think you know we have a an infrastructure deficit, so we need more roads, more hydro dams, etc. The things that will power this nation into the future and allow us to grow allow wages to grow and for people to be more productive
1: I wonder when we look ahead you know like I'm almost at that point myself there mm. that uh, you know retirement so I can see the light at the end of the tunnel for retiring and probably like many people uh, retirees biggest asset is their house yes now when we retire these days you know you probably in the old days you probably had five or six years to go before, yes before you know you went off to see your maker but now we might have 25 years to go and then we say okay well we want to do all these cool things. You might want to buy a camper van. You might want to go on a world tour. About the only thing that a lot of people can do now is downsize. Yes. You know, buy a little unit somewhere, but they're not cheap anymore. And uh, the money that we have left, over, think, okay, well, let's join our enjoy our twilight years. Is that possible moving forward?
0: Um, yes, it is. I think the most successful people in retirement um, who are making making ends meet and – achieving their lifestyle goals are those that still maintain a foot in the workforce. Mm -hmm. To say that someone these days at age 60, well for the most part here, I'm just going to be hypotheticals, for the most part someone at age 65 who's going to retire, um, it's actually better, well it is fact that it's better for their mental um, health that they stay in the workforce yeah. and maintain some form of participation. It's also it's all, it is also fiscally really sound to do so because you know what, when you're just on a pension and you've got a small pot of capital, say from KiwiSaver, or you had some shares, etc. That extra day a week is the cream on the cake Ooh. that allows you to do all the fun things that tick the lifestyle bucket list that you'd always set for yourself, the dreams and aspirations that you'd had as a couple. So I think that's really important. The, other, the, the thing that many people are finding is that they actually need to move. Because where they are domiciled and the wealth they have tied up in their home, they actually need to do effectively like a software reboot. Yes. And they need to leave a place like Auckland and they don't come to a place like Havlock North because it's apples with, it's yeah, an apple exactly. with an apple. There is, there, there is no downsize and there is no pot of cash. So they go to a place like, um, they might, uh, leafy little suburb here in Hastings. Yeah. Um, Waipawa. Yeah, Waipawa. Um, I know people that have moved to um, um, Wanganui. Yeah. You know, look, because many people have had to make those choices because they've actually sat down, looked at their balance sheet, looked at their financial position and said, we need to pull half a million dollars out of the home. Mm. We don't want to borrow against it with a reverse annuity loan. We don't want debt. We are actually going to move to an area that is... A better lifestyle choice for us on what we
1: want to do long term yeah interesting that you mentioned that half a million dollars mm. because uh you hear it's not a horror story but i imagine mm. people get frightened that you hear financial experts every now and then come up on the radio or the tv and they say, "Look, when you retire you're going to need seven hundred thousand dollars in the bank just to maintain your current lifestyle i mean how true is that
0: well look <laughs> it depends on the it depends on the quality of the lifestyle and, look, one person's definition of quality lifestyle is $10,000 a month spendable. Another person is $2,000 a month. It just depends what type of person you are and what type of aspirations you have and how many dependents you have with you. There are people still supporting children who live with them, etc. cetera. Yes. Um, but if we go back to that component about what is the magical number, look, everyone's different. Everyone has a different number. And the other aspect is, you know... The se- like, let's say it was $700,000. Well, a lot of people don't want to deplete their capital on a yearly mm-hmm. basis. Whereas, look, we're, I look at it and say, if you want to live your life and have some fun and have fun with children and grandchildren, and, you know, I mean, what, what are we on the planet for? We're here to have fun. Exactly. We're here to nurture people and have a positive impact on, um, you know, fellow citizens and family. So to do that, if that means that you're consuming you know, 5% of your capital base per year. Well, you know, what's wrong with that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Coming towards the end of the program, Nick, I just wonder mm. what would be some of your top tips for someone listening to this program now who, I don't know, maybe getting to uh, the point of retiring and all they've got is their family home or someone, for instance, who's in, in the middle of their career, much like yourself, you know, you're, mm. um, and you're looking at, if you say, well, what do I need to do to ensure that my life looking forward is semi comfortable without not having any fun. You know, I don't want to, don't want to be, don't want you to be the fun place and take anything away from it, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, I, it's, it's a very, very good question. Good summary.
0: And, um, boy, I must, I must have aged a bit by the fact you just said I was in the middle of my career. Well, you're only about 35, aren't you? <laughs> That'd be nice. Um, yeah, no, at a ripe old age of 43, I guess I am coming up to that point. Uh, but look, um, uh, the key thing would be to seek out advice to go and talk to someone um, like ourselves to say and you know I, you know an open Mazir open the books have a look at discuss your goals and objectives so that you can plan and make small course changes or directional navigation changes with your financial position with your planning so that you actually are informed it's an incredibly rewarding experience. I love helping people out where they have the aha, the aha moment mm. where they are now in control. The empowerment of knowing where you are going and being absolutely sure and certain with the decisions that you're making around your finances is awesome. And that that is a life-changing thing because a lot of people mm. make a lot of financial decisions and w- with a hope and a prayer with gut emotion rather than science and having an evidence based approach. So yeah, seek out someone to have a good discussion with someone that's a fee pl- fee, fee charging advisor. So fee only is what mm-hmm. I was going to say. Yep. Not commission. I mean, like I don't phone a real estate agent for asking the, for them to give me an appraisal on what my property or home is worth because they, they are driven by commission. Mm. They are a salesperson. Mm -hmm. I go to a valuer whose opinion that I respect to get the valuation expectation on my property. It's exactly the same with financial advice. Go to someone, sit down, have a discussion. For the most part, you'll find there will be no cost. And you know what? If they come and talk to people like us, we'll even give them a really nice freshly brewed cup of coffee.
1: And uh, on that note, just for my listeners, <laughs> Nick, where are you? We want to come see you guys at the Stewart Group? Because there's more than just you there, isn't it? Yes,
0: yeah, no, no, no. fortunately, I'd, otherwise the weight of the world would be <laughs> on my shoulders. So, look, we are at 204 Katamu Road in Hastings, right in the centre of town. Lots of easy parking. We're in the black basalt stone building that you can't miss with a big Tartan logo.
1: Good on you, Nick. As always our pleasure. You look after yourself. We'll talk to the same time, same place next time. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorized financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961.